Sunday, December 13. Thank you so much for joining us again tonight. We continue to bring you guests on this show that offer their wisdom and expertise in helping us build lifeboats of sanity and support as we sail the seas of climate chaos, endless war, economic inequality, and profound loneliness in cultures that are hopelessly individualistic and insular. My hope is that this show can provide a reality check, a place to check in every week and reaffirm what you know intellectually and in your gut, and also be a place where all of you gets nourished, not just your head, but your heart as well. For that reason, I frequently invite guests who talk to us about emotional and spiritual resilience in these times, and people who share their experience and strength for us to draw from. Now, before I introduce our guest this evening, I want to again remind you that you've just two more days, two more days to take advantage of the discount price for registering for a phenomenal online symposium that I and a number of folks you probably also know are offering in January entitled Living with Passion and Purpose in the Face of Humanity's Greatest Challenge. It begins January 19 and continues for five weeks with two sessions per week or a total of ten sessions in which we're going to open our hearts together about the global crisis. Our speakers include Andrew Harvey, Derek Jensen, Dar Jamal, myself, and other voices in the climate crisis and collapse fields who are going to share not simply more information about the global crisis, but talk about how we stay connected with ourselves with each other and with the earth as we navigate these daunting, unprecedented times. With your registration, you'll receive the video recordings of all the sessions, and you'll have the opportunity of interacting live with each speaker after he or she makes their presentation. Now, if you register before midnight, December 15, the price is $75. After that date, the price increases to 95 This is a screaming deal for what this symposium offers you. So please join us and register right away by going to my website at carolynbaker.net. We need your wisdom, your comments, your questions, and your presence in this groundbreaking online event. Tonight my guest is someone who was on the show in 2014, and one of the reasons I enjoy having him on the Lifeboat Hour is that like, unlike most of my guests, He's a member of the millennial generation, and as a millennial, he's facing challenges that most people of an older demographic demographic are not facing, or at least not facing as severely as millennials are. My guest tonight is Tyler Hess, who contacted me about two years ago to invite me to come to the University of Kentucky, where he was a senior at that time, to offer a couple of workshops there. And since then, we've stayed in contact, and I've thoroughly enjoyed watching Tyler resiliently adapt to the plight of being a university graduate in the 21st century, who fortunately has no student debt, but who chose a different path for most of his peers, following his passion for organic farming and medicine crafting, as well as his passion for eco-psychology and connection with the land, Tyler has been drawn to dance to the beat of a different drum, 
for most of the members of his generation, and he's going to talk to us a bit about that tonight. In addressing the multiplicity of crises occurring around the world, he is attempting to center himself in an agrarian-based ethic while simultaneously wondering how to slow the ongoing sixth mass extinction. Tyler finished an undergraduate degree from the University of Kentucky and thus graduated with a minor in sustainable agriculture in addition to a self-designed major that included wide-ranging interests in philosophy, soil science, anthropology, forestry, and environmental sociology. He also enjoys backpacking journeys, late-night campfires, mead-making, fermentation experiments, knitting, reading voraciously, tincture and salve-making, wandering in the woods, writing, painting, cooking, listening, and cycling. Welcome to the Lifeboat Hour, Tyler Hess. Hi, good evening, Carolyn. Thanks for hosting me in this space again. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you. And, uh, you know, since you were here in, uh, in 2014, going on two years now, uh, you've been continuing your passion for living on the land, doing organic farming, and much more. I wonder if you'd tell us about what you've been up to since <clears throat> August 3rd, 2014, when you were last on the Lifeboat Hour. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. Um, I was speaking to you that August from a farm and wilderness-based youth summer camp in Vermont, I finished there in September and then traveled for two months along the East Coast, uh, visiting various workshops, gatherings, national parks. Um, for the next two months, I, uh, in November, December, uh, and January, I lived in my parents' basement, actually. Um, as someone coming out of college and not exactly preferring to pay thousands for rent in a new town, I stayed there and worked a third shift job at UPS. Um, I tell that with uh, honesty just because of the many transitions that we all go through. I ended up that December meeting, uh, going to a conference in Ohio and met a farmer there named Mark Shepard, um, which is the farm I began living on in March of 2015 and this year. It's a 100-acre uh, fruit and nut tree farm in Wisconsin. So that's where I've been uh, in 2015 mostly. For the last month, uh, after harvest season finished in October, I traveled uh, all throughout the West Coast and am currently still in Oregon visiting different farms, nurseries, uh, apothecaries, uh, communities and such. Um, so that's kind of the overview of my timeline so far, more of those stories I think will spill out as the conversation unfolds. Right. So quite a journey you've been on and are continuing to be on. Haven't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, another of your gifts, Tyler, that I didn't mention is writing poetry. And you sent me a couple of poems last week in preparation for the show. And I'd like to read one of them and have you comment on the poem and talk to us about why poetry is important to you. Great. That, is that good? Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Here's the first poem. Um, and I've forgotten already the title of it, but I, I want to go ahead and read it, and then you talk to us about the title and whatever you want to say about the poem, okay? Sure. Okay. Here's a poem by Tyler Hess. 
I breathe and transform the anger and hate, for it is the air that gives life, not the CEOs, springs, not coal, seams, not coal seams, water my soul. Soil nourishes body, fire warms heart, returning to the source, seeing with new eyes. We reconnect to our new and ancient story, moving from competition, control, and censorship to connection, communication, and compassion. We are the bridge generation, initiating the great turning, for the epochal evolution underway is in each moment. Yet as chaos continues, Oliver's question, that would be Mary Oliver's question, remains, what is it you plan to do? with your one wild and precious life. I love to plant trees, harvest elders, and give hugs. Will you care for the dying cultures and peoples or help to dissemble the prisons and barracks, salvaging stones and souls to help life repair and rebuild our humble homes with Iraqis and Iroquois, Kurds and Klansmen? There is a seat for all at the table, we pray for peace, but keep, keep knives nearby. As Che said, be guided by revolutionary love. Let us replant our forests, families, and fortitude, reseed the pastures, the clouds, the mines, rehydrate our land, our biology, our psychology, for we are still, like the water's sill, seeping spirit into soil and soul, deep down where so much goes unnoticed. Ignored. Let us cease being boarded up from the magic and mystery. For now, I lean back, sit still, and peer through the fruit trees, the lenses, the perspectives, to awe at the patterns between the pixels that paint a new story for this moment, for this land, this canvas with its own water and colors that sprout a masterpiece when welcomed back within a new design of mind and we find that things flow better this way. This water has ways of slowing, spreading, sinking, vitality and life into soil, into you. Let us see the beauty every day and source our lives from its presence. So tell us, Tyler, about this particular poem and what poetry and writing poetry give you as you attempt to make sense of and navigate these turbulent times. Thank you, Carolyn. That's the first time I've ever heard someone read one of my writings out loud. <laughs> um, I write to digest and transform energies. Um, thoughts arise, feelings come in and out, and people aren't always there or present as often as a blank page and a pencil is and so five years ago I began just this process of diarying or dream journaling or um, scrapbooking just to kind of have some acknowledgement of the processes that were spewing from me um, and over the more recent years and months I've been trying to uh, really channel that into a, a, a more publicly shareable voice. I would note that I'll be happy to link the actual text of this poem through you or to people through 
my uh, electronic accessing portals so that you can slow down and read some of the words and reflect on them because poetry also offers me a way to share ideas beyond the academic paperwork or beyond the small talk at bars. It's kind of a condensed few stanza um, seed that can germinate new conversations or feelings about lots of different topics. I mean, in this one, I tried to include phrases from particular authors and people that have influenced me, like Charles Eisenstein's New and Ancient Story or Peter Kingsley's Bridge Generation, Joanna Macy's Great Turning, uh, Che Guevara's Revolution and Love, Starhawk's uh, Fifth Sacred Thing, and but then also incorporating more uh, essence concepts of the four elements, the fire warming heart, the soil nourishing body, returning to the, the source of our, of our oneness. I also mentioned dark emotions moving through anger and hate. Those were the first few lines because this poem is actually a, a part two of, um, of a compilation I'm trying to put together where the first part is just a, uh, a releasing of anger towards executives and coal companies and the awfulness of mountaintop removal that was uh, shown to me in my home state when I was growing up of Kentucky. So there's a lot to this, and um, I love reading other people's writings and just trying to share more openly uh, beyond academic papers or such. It's, um, uh, it's just a new way of expression that, albeit as new in our species as history, writing is really only 7,000 years old, so we have a language beyond words that I'm beginning to describe. But since so much of our human realm right now that's destroying the Earth operates in the written world, I'm trying to navigate that medium to use it as a way of opening people up. Well, that's wonderful. And um, I, I believe that you have another poem to read here, too, and, and I'd like you to do that in a moment. But uh, would you feel comfortable giving your email address if people want to contact you for, for more poetry? Oh, definitely. And what I'll try to do is write down some of the things I mention or the, uh, and share them on my blog, which is the same uh, handle as my email address, so that people want to just go there to access links, they can do that. But if they'd like to outreach more personally, then they can choose that method. So my, um, it's revolution by truth, um, all normal spellings, uh, B-Y-T-R-U-T-H, you know, revolution by truth at gmail.com or dot wordpress.com. Um, want to say all that one more that. time? You want to say yep. that one more time, please? Sure. It's revolutionbytruth.wordpress.com or at gmail.com. And, yeah, uh, thank you for opening that space to mention the electronic ways of, uh, you know, completing this relationship outreach. Yeah, and uh, I'd like people to to feel free to contact Tyler and and take advantage of his wonderful poems, and I believe you have one more to read us and to talk about, so would you go ahead and do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, The one you just read uh, came through me um, in various ways in November of this year, and I'll read another just shorter one that came through in uh, June of this year uh, while I was attending a singing gathering that we'll talk about more later um, in northeast Iowa called Village Fire. Uh, 
And I had just read Perseverance by Margaret Wheatley, which oh, I had yes. been turned on to by you. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, uh, this was what I c- came up with. I'm still here. I'm lost, but not. I'm right here, still. And yet I panic too often, afraid without an outline, wishing for some type of essential guide map, list of tasks and objectives that could soon accomplish my goals to heal everything. But must I see page two or chapter three if I've yet to even breathe into the magic of the first few lines? It's already waiting for me. Rather, it's happening. Always. So do I listen? Do I pause to breathe and sing to the songs? Sit down the bong and breathe into my hips, release the pressure in my neck, and feel gratefully that those kin whom appear everywhere, always, if I breathe. So that that writing came to me from uh, wanting to always have uh, particular objectives and uh, plants to learn about and, and what's the next thing to do. And um, Margaret Wheatley, uh, one of the lines from her writing, uh, as we relax enough to tune in, we'll be able to notice the information and signals that are everywhere around us. There's sufficient information right here to help us find our way out, but we have to be willing to stop, to listen, to admit we don't know. The maps we need are in us, but not in only one of us. If we read the current and signs together, we'll find our way through. So it's just um, whenever some some writing comes to me, it's usually just in the flash of a moment based on mm-hmm. my recent experiences. And, um, you know, I always want to thank you, uh, you know, for turning me on to Wheatley and, um, yeah, letting me read that, that recent writing I just did. Well, thank you for sharing it, and please keep up the wonderful work with poetry. Um, and I'm sure you're journaling it and and, um, and keeping a record of it. And it's always interesting to go back, you know, some years later and just, oh, that's where I was at that time, and then and then notice the difference in present time. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say also how words are also Im- impermanent in some way. Like mm-hmm. these journals will degrade soon, and and I even lost my favorite journal over of my past years of writing recently so like being able to share but also not attached to it it's important for me because what i'm writing is is the the same essence that everyone else has in them and knows too so i i really encourage people to use journaling as a title of a book says a life's companion like we all have this potential in us and we we're all uh, you know part of the oneness and i, I mean i i feel it by reading your writing too, so it's um, I, I'm glad that you know we're all inspiring us each other to use whatever tools in the in the navigating the coming chaos, you know, uh, to, to to aid our aid our journey and, and healing in, in this process. Absolutely, we have to inspire each other. We're all we're all we've got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that one thing our listeners want to hear from you is what it's like to be an awake 
member of your generation not that you're the only one but but you you are are the one i know best uh, what it's like to be an awake member of your generation attempting to live in this culture knowing what you know and uh choosing the path that you've chosen um i i i think i'll i'll wait for that answer to come through me uh after that after this song break and we talk about okay. uh near term extinction cuz to uh, to me those questions kind of roll together i want to um uh l- let this break happen and then i'll channel more about my generational uh reflections in a moment sounds good hold that thought um we are going to take a music break and um I know Tyler that one of the one of the things you've been recently drawn to more recently is singing and I'll be asking you more about that after we take a music break but we're going to be hearing Heal This Land by Tina Malia let's listen
That was Tina Malia singing, We Will Heal This Land, and this is the Lifeboat Hour. I'm your host, Carolyn Baker, and I'm talking with Tyler Hess, who appears today on the Lifeboat Hour for the second time since I've been hosting the show, and Tyler is sharing with us his experiences as a member of the millennial generation in a world where most of his peers who graduate from college do so with a huge student debt, Uh, only to enter a world where their degree isn't even required or accounts for very little in terms of salary and where benefits are usually unheard of. But Tyler's generation faces more than just a daunting economic wasteland. In fact, his generation is facing a world where life itself and the ability to even survive on a rapidly warming planet is hugely uncertain. This week I posted an article in my Daily News Digest uh, from Bloomberg that noted that this year millennials surpass baby boomers as the largest demographic. The truth is my generation is leaving and, Tyler, your generation is up to bat. The good news in that is that many of you, like yourself, have managed to avoid many of the really insane assumptions that my generation has dumped on the world And, of course, the bad news is that the future has never been more uncertain. So, having just listened to Tina Malia sing her beautiful song, I'd like you to talk to us about the singing that you've been involved with and how that nourishes you. It sounds like you've rediscovered your singing voice. Yes, thank you, Carolyn, for allowing the the heart energy from that song to still resonate before we jump too much into the, the... doom of the world, um, which I dwell in plenty, but I was invited this past summer to a gathering of community singers, which is a new um, movement that's around the country, Uh, also different gatherings called Singing Alive in Cascadia or Appalachia, Um, and really it reminds me of what uh, Angelus Arian, uh, the cultural anthropologist, said that I learned recently, that all the cultures of the world have music, dance, and storytelling. In fact, she said that storytelling is seen as the oldest teaching and healing art that we have. So music, to me, is, is a rediscovery and a reawakening of more of the diversity of my human essence. I dwelled in the academia and the climate change studies for so long exclusively, and I certainly still tune into that part of myself uh, occasionally these days, but I've had to open to new ways of communication and intention setting beyond just arguing with facts and figures. Um, in particular, this summer and, and just in my travels in the recent weeks, I've been gathering with uh, a songwriter named Lawrence Cole. Um, some of his songs, I think, just in if I can share a few that are just a few lines each, Absolutely. Help, help explain more of the messages and, and new culture that we can weave. Um, one of them I, that I sing sometimes before meals, um, it's, uh, we give thanks uh, for the life in the soil. We give thanks for the light from above. Uh, we give thanks for this beautiful meal that was gathered here and seasoned with love. So restoring grace and presence, you know, thanking the microbiology, the photons and wavelengths and plant matter and, and creatures and, and human beings and that all created that meal, gaining pause there. Singing can do that um, in, in just a perfect way. Um, an, uh, another one that I really like is uh, 
We long to be long. We long to be longed for. And it's, um, I remember you talking with recent guests about returning to some of these um, more, more core uh, yearnings of the human soul the, um, beyond the materialism, beyond the greed or the, the fear that we all want to belong to, to a tribe, to a family, to a business. You know, I mean, we, we want that support, and then we also want to be longed for. We want a, our unique gifts and, and our calling to be seen by others, you know, just as much as we want to participate in the communities. And so all of, all of that can kind of be communicated in, in my mind, or at least I feel that come through um, those types of words. Singing has been a, a, a helpful way for me to also just enjoy the orchards at the farm I live on um, instead of kind of spinning with um, my awareness going to every scattered thought and to-do list. I can begin some type of mantra. You know, for example, while I picked blackberries, a good one was... Um, let things ripen and then fall force is not the way at all just let go and you will see the way to do is to be so nothing too complicated there, you know. Short, I love that words. I love it. Um, I, yeah, thank you. So it's it's all the it's a, it's a new voice. Um, there's there's more to the human uh, soul that I'm I'm just beginning to wake up to. And I think musicians out there or you know artists are kind of like, well, duh, buddy. You know, of course <laughs> songs are wonderful, but it's kind of a rediscovery after being caught up in like the radio or that albums being the uh, soul proprietors of of the singing voice, and I, I just welcome all of us to kind of rediscover that sing together at the, at the right times. Um, and uh, I, I'm just grateful for how that's entered my life uh, in the past uh, few months. Well, absolutely, and you're finding your voice in so many ways, Tyler, through the through the poetry, uh, through the singing, and you know when we find our voice, I think it's important as activists to find our voice in various ways um, so that we can be more effective in speaking our truth in the world. I think it's very empowering, these tools that we develop, like singing, like playing music, like writing poetry, um, you know, painting, whatever, things that we create, those are forms of our voice and our presence in the world. So... Thank you for that awareness about the singing. Yeah, I, I have just one more song that you catalyzed in me there. It's also by Lawrence Cole oh, um, called, uh, it's, um, I'll just sing it, it's a few lines. Please. Uh, when you come into your calling, you become bells calling to everyone else. Oh, come, come into your calling. I feel like a lot of listeners to the show resonate with that because you're kind of like a ringing bell in a sea of like silent phone zombies with face vacuums. <laughs> like you're just ringing, and but keep ringing. Like soon the chorus will be heard for the magnificence that it is. 
it reminds me of Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, quote in a book called Spiritual Ecology um, that says, the bells of mindfulness are sounding. We need a collective awakening. We have constructed a system we cannot control. We are constantly under the pressure of time. But we have to have another dream, the dream of brotherhood and sisterhood, of loving kindness and compassion. That dream is possible right here and now. I, I, um, I take a lot of strength from the notion of uh, bells and, and of, of a calling that some of these kinds of songs are opening me up to. Well, absolutely, and thank you for help, uh, helping us ring bells today on on the Lifeboat Hour. It's great. <laughs> wonderful. I love that energy. Um, and, and so now I want to get a little bit more phil- philosophical with you. Um, in terms of the possibility of near-term human extinction, what's your sense of your generation's awareness of this reality? And in terms of your own future, how do you feel about what all species on this planet are facing? How can you not feel sadness at first, just deep uh, grief at, like, the oceans losing 90% of their fishes or 40% of the land mammals, all these statistics about, even one recently I heard, half of the oxygen could be gone by 2100 because of the acidification of the ocean mm-hmm. and the phytoplankton dying. The, the creation, the life that is... Uh, seeping away every single moment uh, in any heart or even head feeling alive being, I believe there is just complete grief. Um, and, and you know that and are helping me with that better than, uh, better than many people in my life. And, but then you sink into anger after that even. I mean, there's all kinds of, of, of philosophies and frameworks for this stages of grief or the or the the way of the warrior and healer and visionary, or like you 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 have to begin transforming some of this deep dark emotions, mm-hmm. the fear uh, and the despair uh, and the anger at who did this, why did they do it, how can I stop them? I mean, this seems to be where our patho adolescent culture is caught up, is in still fighting back at the same bad guys that caused this or that. Beyond that is what I've tried to go in recent years, not not avoiding it, but through it, because it happens daily. It happens in anger to friends. It happens in anger at CEOs in similar ways. Like, what is, what will that serve? Like, and so feeling near-term extinction to me recently has been, I have the world's energy at my back to use every moment to aid life. I, I, have to spread a different energy because the fear is intoxicating to so many. My generation, I don't know if they want to feel how awful it could get. I meet very, very, very few people except in, like, the gatherings that we all kind of circulate in that come together with a kind of a pre-described paradigm or ideology already expected of attendees. Um, but just out in the real world, I don't, at real world, another phrase, but um, anyway, my generation, I don't meet many, but those that I do, we share wonderful things and we evolve from there. I, I just worry that once we recognize near-term extinction, that people drown in that dark emotion phase and 
I really am hoping for more guides and and benevolent shepherds to kind of welcome people, hold them once their cosmology breaks down. Because when you when you first when you really open yourself up to the potential of the destruction that's before us, I mean, we're talking about the, the destruction of most biotic life. If certain studies that McPherson quotes are are accurate, um, the Venus effect and the I mean, you could really go deep into the self-annihilation of, of Gaia, just cleansing herself of this cancer, et cetera, et cetera. But the new story I'm also trying to hold, being a bit too spirited in beholding the permaculture, consensus, garden, community, rainwater, spring, reforestation, nonviolent communication, cultures, um, that are still amidst this that can reteach us, and also what our, our new story, our new and ancient story can be. Um, for me, that's an important part of, of my work, I think, as a young person, is like holding the beautiful story that's possible for me in a half century, just as well as the militarized police state. You know, uh, Starhawk's Fifth Sacred Thing is a really wonderful novel that I re- recommend. It's probably one of my favorite books of, that holds both of those spaces, the the fascists on the hill with their evangelicalism and and viruses at the same time as the springs and bicycles flow in the streets and they sing and share space with the birds etc etc holding those both of those visions has has been a calling for me recently as a young person uh, being asked about how i see the world uh, once i'm your age for example well, you, you said something in there that I want to respond to. You talked about Please. your concern that there would be um, people that that could help the culture hold uh, all these horrors that are likely to come about. And Tyler, I see you as being one of those one of those great minds and hearts and souls that can do that. You you seem to really be in training for that. You seem to know that that is your calling, and I'm so pleased. Oh, yeah. I, and so many have held me in my journeys. I mean, just this morning, the ca- cashier at the cafe where I had a cup of tea, you know, held me in a certain space that allowed me to, to transition. And so we all just have to become more conscious that we're performing acts of service. Um, like, all the time, we're always doing energy work. You don't go to a Reiki studio, you know, to just share energy. I'm, I'm reminded of actually the first poem in Hafiz's uh collection by Daniel Ladinsky. The collection is called The Subject Tonight is Love. Um, and the poem, I'll just read a few stanzas from, is called Where Dolphins Dance. Um, he says, Habits are human nature. Why not create some that will mint gold? Your arms are violin bows, always moving. I have become very conscious upon whom we all play. Thus, my eyes have filled with warm, soft oceans of divine music, where jeweled dolphins dance, then leap into this world. And so I, I feel like we're all, we all can leap whenever we're ready to start sharing love and beauty. Everyone is so wounded. Like we, The world needs m- many more people beyond just one 23-year-old farmer. Uh, like we, the world needs us all right now. I'm, I don't 
you know, I, I have doubts about our population explosion, and we can all talk about Paul Ehrlich another day, but I want all 7 billion, many already have, to become empowered to do the healing work. And since I'm in the Western world that's causing most of the uh, omnicide unfolding, I want to just kind of pull out of the trance all my brothers and sisters that have, you know, lost their way. And um, I've been, you know, welcomed back into this story by you and, and countless other elders along the path. So we can all just do our part to, you know, uh, uh, help help this emergence, um, you know, be, be the more beautiful world our, our hearts know is possible. Well, absolutely. And, you know, working with the land is part of that. And in our discussions this week, you, you mentioned some land-based projects that you're working on at the farm where you're living. So first of all, tell us about the farm and then tell us about the proposed projects. Yeah. I've been apprenticing on various different homesteads and vegetable fruit farms over the last five years and this just this past december though in 2014 i went to the acres conference which is actually occurring this weekend in pittsburgh it's a fabulous magazine on ecological agriculture acres that i highly recommend to people trying to deepen their uh work in in earth repair um i, m- I went to that conference last year and met mark shepherd uh the author of restoration agriculture and uh a husband of Jen Shepherd, and they together steward the land with their two sons uh, in southwest southwest Wisconsin called New Forest Farm. Uh, this 100-acre site uh, is designed uh, around passive water management principles uh, using a, a key line adapted uh, swale system, just to throw some vocabulary out that I can link to later. The water gathers in ponds and behind rows of trees to infiltrate and slow spread and sink uh, water to reduce the need for irrigation and to uh, enliven the soil with air and water. And that, those patterns that Mark and Jen put in place uh, 20 years ago are just booming now. And I was so privileged that when I met Mark at the conference, I, I felt calm and grounded in my space to ask him how I could collaborate on his projects because the vision really is a transition to a perennial cropping system uh, where we don't till the ground every year um, and we instead create and facilitate wildlife habitat, uh, water filtering, oxygen producing. You know, if you want to lay out all the brilliant, uh, you know, divine qualities of tree, shrub, animal, grass systems we can, but I think people listening to this understand that inherent beauty. So to be invited to be a part of that was humbling for me, and I worked with our 40 acres of chestnuts and hazelnuts, the the currants, the mulberries, the apples. Um, I personally uh, grew and harvested uh, acres of acorn squash and asparagus and various different diverse veggies and herbs. Working in the area, I met other beautiful farmers that had uh, raw milk Jersey dairies or helped me wildcraft and cultivate medicinal herbs uh, for medicine and pleasure. Um, the, the region, you know, aided me in other ways. You know, I kayaked rivers and 
enjoyed the supermoon like we all did uh, the harvest season. So the land itself has been a, a rooting place for me over the last five years, but in particular this last year being a part of Mark's restorative agricultural vision um, because there's so much cultural metaphor in the way these new regenerative agricultural practices can be employed, not to mention the carbon sequestering potential of rotational grazing and uh, perennial cropping systems to still get our food, fiber, fuels, medicines, and not look at the quote-unquote farming. Agriculture is supposed to be a care of the earth. Agriculture today is actually a mining of the earth, less Mm -hmm. soil every year, less fertility. We keep pumping back ancient dinosaur sun blood stored fertilizers um instead of depleting we can regenerate it and so this new story of agriculture is kind of where i emerged um five years ago and has kind of held me as i've begun realizing how the the new land story is part of the new cultural story too of not tearing everyone up not killing other people's souls but instead you know offering your compost uh, to others so that the seeds that are inherent to them can germinate and um, realizing that uh, things will ripen and fall when it's time. I, 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 uh, I think a lot of listeners here will connect with um, a, a land-based ethic that we're all kind of reconnecting to after you know this last century or more or less of intense industrial disconnection and separation. I've been grateful for uh, the farm I've been on, and I welcome people to kind of connect with me to learn about New Forest Farm or or to read Mark's book on that. um, I'm just beginning my more uh, in-depth training on on how to learn about and and teach and and spread these types of uh, new permaculture-type systems. Absolutely, Tyler. Um, and one more time, would you give us the way to the way to connect with you? That web address, please. Oh, definitely. Um, my email address is revolutionbytruth at gmail dot com, um, and the farm I'm working at is New Forest Farm, uh, or the book is called Restoration Agriculture. Um, and my my website, I'll try and post some of these links to uh, by the time this show airs in a few days. Uh, will be revolutionbytruth.wordpress.com. Very Thanks good. for opening and that space again, Carolyn. Sure. And uh, speaking of books, uh, there's a book that you've <laughs> talked about the last couple of times that I've spoken with you. Um, you said that you've been working with Bill Plotkin's book, Soulcraft. And so before I ask you about the book, I, I want to just mention that Bill Plotkin is a depth psychologist living here in Colorado who's a wilderness guide and the director of Animus Valley Institute, which takes young people on nature-based initiatory passages. He's been on the Lifeboat Hour, and he's a huge supporter of my work. Bill has written several books, but the one that I'm asking Tyler about right now is Soulcraft, and I'd like to know, Tyler, how this book has been useful to you. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. Um, Books have guided me in so many ways over the last few years, um, uh, as we all kind of know. Uh, um, Plotkin's work came to me actually from a a friend, who I met through your uh, interview that I did, you know, a year and a half ago or so. Um, she recommended Plotkin's work to me and, and 
kind of introduced me to soul work. Uh, this person was a, a radical activist in the 60s and still holds very um, passionate and grounded anti-racist ideals and um, has been helping me bridge like the material activist world and the, and the soul spirit world, kind of how you have, Carolyn. Uh, and so I finally opened up to, you know, <laughs> kind of the existence of a soul even. And that's the first step, I think, in finding a more of a deeper calling is if we acknowledge that we have it. I'm, uh, before I jump to Plotkin, I'm thinking of Angela Arian's quote again about um, that we are all original medicine. And at first, I thought original medicine, unique, yeah, I've heard that. That's what we all tell our kids in first grade. But really, if you took a sonograph and measured each person's voice on the planet, it would create a different sonic, a different wavelength for every person. If an ophthalmologist, a eye doctor, scanned your lens of your eye and your retina, they would get a particular pattern that no other human has ever held. Like, this is a, to me, a kind of a scientific bridge to realizing the divine in us all. So to realize we all have a unique position to serve in this world is kind of this first step for me in in discovering Plotkin's work to then begin exploring what my original medicine is. Uh, Plotkin kind of legitimized the journey I had already been on in some way of of wandering, uh, he calls it, or leaving home, which actually... Since the last time we talked, February of this year, I, I packed up all the stuff in my parents' home in my childhood room that had been, a, you know, accumulating posters and um, books and old sweaters for 20 years now. Uh, I packed it all up when I moved to Wisconsin. You actually helped me on a on a fundraiser for that journey of moving to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, when I sold some of my herbal medicines, and so that leaving home had happened. I was, I've been traveling several months out of this year. I, I'm in a new cocoon of trying to understand my calling beyond just planting trees, as if that's just. But the point being is, Plotkin's just kind of guiding his framework is just guiding my already ongoing evolution. I discovered his book, you know, maybe in August or so, uh, but I've. I've been doing various forms of initiation, uh, of, of discovery, and uh, through dream work or through psychedelic journeys or through meditative practice that um, now I kind of have more of a framework for. Um, and I'm hoping to deepen that work with his program in conjunction with uh, Generation Waking Up. Uh, it's a program called the Millennial Quest um, that... I uh, was sent by various people. So just just seeing him as one of the, you know, many cultural guides. Uh, you know, I read Navigating the Coming Chaos, um, you know, back in 2012 or so, and that was impactful for me then. And, and um, these literary works come into my life, tra- you know, transform me, and then and then go back on the shelf, and I use them use them in my toolkit where is relevant. So certainly grateful for. You know, Plotkin realizing his calling for you know all the great work uh, he's been doing for for decades. 
Well, Tyler, we're coming down to the end of our show. We've got just a couple of minutes left, and I wonder if in closing uh, you just have a couple more words for us uh, about anything, uh, bearing in mind we've got two minutes. Um, Go for it. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. Um, I'll just share a few lines out of a a recent writing I I felt come through me in November on the Lost Coast in Central California. Um, Acidification, plastification, pollution, oh no, oh oceans, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We are already doing we. Here we. These speaks of we who is we. We will keep doing what is inherent to us, feeling the moon rhythmically responding, feeling the fires in the core from the stars, heating, cooling, cycling into depths, arising for air. We breathe. You breathe. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And all the other things that need done and undone too. But for now, we sit or stand. Just remember to breathe. Listen. For we are creating what is real in each moment. Why do the waves crest, outreaching and returning, emerging and descending? The heat is rising, the coral is melting, the soil is still running downhill. Let the waves crest, the wind blow, keep breathing. Life into yourself, into me. Just remember to breathe and be. Thank you so much, Tyler Hess, for being with us tonight on the Lifeboat Hour. I wish you every success in all the ways that you define success in your journey of awakening and in service to the Earth community. And everyone listening, thank you for joining us tonight on the Lifeboat Hour. Join us again next week, and be safe and be well. Thank you, Carolyn. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Everybody knows that the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody